Hi, friends, and welcome to the Pre-Trib Prophecy Podcast, where we discuss Bible prophecy from a pre-tribulational, premillennial, expositional, and rapture-ready point of view. This is Joel Dover. I'm the former professor of eschatology and dean of biblical studies at Calvary Chapel University, a local pastor for more than two decades, and a student of God's Word. Grab your Bibles and let's dig deep. This is the Pre-Trib Prophecy Podcast. Well, hi, friends. Welcome back to the Pre-Trib Prophecy Podcast. This is your host, Joel Dover. So glad to have you back on the program this week. Hey, I'd like to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word. We'll be looking together at Daniel chapter 12. And if you've been tracking with us here in season two, you know that we're coming now to the last chapter of Daniel. And so as we finish today, we'll be able to say we finished another book together. How exciting. Just wonderful to uh, complete that and to look verse by verse, passage by passage through this particular and wonderful book of prophecy. Now, we've been learning about the last days and everything in the book of Daniel, with the exception of really two parenthetical chapters, which have, you know, lessons of their own, even about tribulation and such, uh, really point us forward to the last day. And as we take up our study in chapter 12, remember that chapters 10, 11, and 12 work together as a unit. Chapter 10 is kind of a uh, prologue. Chapter 11 really is kind of the meat and potatoes, the heart of this prophecy regarding the rise of a last days uh, global leader, who most commonly, of course, is referred to in Bible circles as the Antichrist. And chapter 12, if you just look at your Bible, it's not a lengthy chapter. It's only 13 verses, so we'll move pretty quickly through this. But chapter 12 really serves as an epilogue. Now, I'd like to just point you back, if you have your copy of God's Word, to chapter 11, and then... Beginning in verse 36, there's this wonderful transition which takes place in the Bible, and we've discussed how uh, the person, the historical character of Antiochus Epiphanes, who is really kind of the subject uh, historically of chapter 11, becomes a typology of this future global world leader that the Bible in a number of places predicts will rise and lead a reconglomerated Roman Empire in the last days, that is, leading through the tribulation and leading up to the second coming of Christ. And beginning in verse 36, the Bible, just to remind you of what this future global leader will be like, the Bible says, Then the king shall do according to his own will. He shall exalt and magnify himself above every god, shall speak blasphemies against the god of gods, and shall prosper till the wrath has been accomplished." For what has been determined shall be done. He shall regard neither the God of his fathers, nor the desire of women, nor regard any God, but shall exalt himself above them all. But in their place he shall honor a God of fortress, and a God which his fathers did not know he shall honor with gold and silver, with precious stones and pleasant things. Thus he shall act against the strongest fortress with a foreign God, which he shall acknowledge and advance its glory, and he shall cause them to rule over many and divide the land for gain." And then, of course, there are a number of Scripture verses, like verse 40, for example, in chapter 11, which begin to refer to the end. And as we get into chapter 12, we are, of course, thinking um, about the typological Antichrist, the, t- the typology of Antiochus. Antiochus becomes a historical picture in the Greek Empire, which points us forward to this little horn that will arise in a future reconglomerated Roman Empire um, you know, at the end of history. As we continue to read in chapter 11, we find verse 40 speaking of the time of the end. Again, Antiochus is a typological figure which points forward to the coming of the Antichrist, who, of course, will lead a uh, not a Greek empire, as Antiochus did historically, but will lead a reconglomeration of the 
Roman Empire, according to my understanding of Scripture. And you see this language begin to emerge. At the time of the end, these things shall happen. And then as we finished chapter 11 last time, we were talking about Armageddon, where Antichrist will gather together to uh, attack Israel and where the Lord will descend and battle with him there in the valley of Megiddo. And it's so interesting. The Bible says here in verse 45, And he shall plant the tents of his palace between the seas and the glorious holy mountain. And yet he shall come to his end, and no one will help him. Speaks of his future coming defeat when the Lord returns at the second coming and establishes, of course, his uh, literal reign and rule upon the earth. Now, this brings us to chapter 12. This is the epilogue of this you know, three-chapter conglomeration here. And I want us to realize that Daniel is wrapping up these prophecies, and he takes us to the time of the tribulation. He says in verse 1, At that time Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book. Well, what time are we talking about? Obviously, we're not speaking of the days of Antiochus Epiphanes. We're thinking about the typological interpretation, this coming future Antichrist. And this, of course, refers to the time of the Great Tribulation. Now, Daniel has already taught us that at the midpoint of the Tribulation, that Antichrist will come into a rebuilt Jerusalem temple, will declare himself to be the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Messiah, the God of the world, there will be a statue of himself erected. He will demand global worship. And anyone who does not take his mark, that is, on their hand or their forehead, will not even so much be able to buy or sell. This specific event, which Daniel calls the abomination of desolation, takes place at the midpoint of the tribulation and begins what we call the Great Tribulation. We know, of course, that the 70th week of Daniel, a seven-year period of time, matches up with what we read in the book of Revelation after chapter 3. It's all future. And that Revelation is a description of what the week of tribulation will be like, the seven years of tribulation. And at the midpoint, abomination of desolation occurs where Antichrist claims to be God. And I'm telling you, friends, the Bible says it's at this time that hardships come for the Hebrew people like they have never experienced before. The Bible says Michael shall stand up. Michael, of course, is... An archangel, several mentions of him in Scripture, Daniel 10, Daniel chapter 12. We see him in the New Testament in Jude uh, chapter 1, verse 9, also in Revelation 12, 7. Uh, it's clear that Michael is an archangel, a very important leader in the spiritual realm. And we see in Revelation that he is the leader of the armies of God in heaven. And of course, several passages, including uh, Daniel chapter 10, uh, the vision of the glorious man. We find Michael coming to his assistance in spiritual battle against demonic forces. Same thing in uh, uh, Revelation chapter 12. He leads the Lord's armies uh, during the historical rebellion when Satan rebelled against the Lord and was cast out of heaven. So it would appear that Michael is a uh, tremendous angelic leader of the armies of God in heaven. And what's so interesting about that is that when Jesus returns, he brings with him the armies of the host of heavens as well to battle there at Armageddon. Well, the Bible says here in verse 1, chapter 12, verse 1, at that time, Michael will stand up. He is preparing for battle, certainly the final battle. And the Bible says there will be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation. Now, the prophet Jeremiah, referring to this in Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 7 to 9, refers to this 
as the time of Jacob's trouble. That's a very specific phrase, friends, that you need to memorize. It's a day of trouble for Jacob like no other that ever was. Let me read it to you. Alas, for that day is great so that none is like it, and it is the time of Jacob's trouble. But he shall be saved out of it, for it shall come to pass in that day, says the Lord of hosts, that I will break his yoke from your neck and will burst your bonds. Foreigners shall no more enslave them, but they shall serve the Lord their God and David their king, a messianic reference, whom I will raise up for them. Now, friends, this prophecy refers to Daniel's people. Who are Daniel's people? That is the people of Israel. It's a specific time, a specific people, takes place in the Great Tribulation and as all of prophecy does, in times prophecy, of course, its focal point is the people of God, the nation of Israel. Daniel says, in the last days, it's going to be a very difficult time of trouble for the Hebrew people. It will be unparalleled, an unparalleled time of trouble, like nothing they've ever experienced before. And I want you to think about some of the things that they've been through. In the New Testament era alone, the Jewish people have been subject to considerable hardships, Suffering like, quite frankly, most of us listening to this podcast have never known. You might remember that after their homeland was destroyed in 70 AD by the Romans, the next 1,000 years or so was an extremely oppressive time for them. More than 1 million Jewish people were killed and 97,000 at least forced into slavery at that overthrow. The religion of the Jews was outlawed in the Roman Empire. Synagogues were destroyed. And of course, that creates this great Jewish migration into Europe, and they thought all oh, things will get better there. But in Europe, the Jewish people were forced to move from place to place, often murdered, often expelled from the countries in, in uh, Europe. Uh, in Germany, for example, over 12,000 Jews were murdered in the first Roman Catholic crusade. Remember the crusades? And then following that first crusade, the Jews were heavily taxed, their houses burned in other countries like England. And for a period of 23 years under Pope Innocent IV, who led the Spanish Inquisition, um, he made it legal to torture the Jewish people. Boy, things were awful for them. Historically, from 1306 to 1915 AD, 100,000 Jews were expelled from France. 5,000 of them or so burned at the stake. Holland expelled all the Jewish people together, just banned them from the country. In Russia, the Jews were conscripted into a 25-year military service. Eventually, 600,000 Jews were forced into concentration camps on the Russian border, where 100,000 of them died in captivity. And then, of course, we most often think about the Holocaust. When the Nazis rose to power in Germany in 1933, life became very hard for the Jewish people who had found a home in Germany. Many Jews had fled Russia for Germany, thinking, oh, this is a place where we can practice our religion openly. We can own a business. We can work. We can flourish. But in 1933, the Jews were restricted in German life by anti-Jewish laws that forbade their involvement in government and civic life, that restricted their business endeavors. By 1935, their citizenship was revoked at Nuremberg. By 1938, anti-Semitism was rampant in Germany. And you probably know about the Night of Broken Glass. November 9 and 10 of that year, a state riot was allowed to rage uh, that really persecuted the Jewish people. The SS, uh, Hitler's uh, paramilitary storm detachment, and civilians led that riot. And, of course, many Jews were killed in the streets of Germany. Uh, and while the numbers vary widely, that, number, that night marked the first night of uh, the Jewish collection into the concentration camps. 
30,000 Jews captured on that particular night. And then in Germany and in Austria, 267 synagogues destroyed. 7,000 Jewish businesses were targeted and destroyed. The, The British newspaper, The Times, wrote at that time about this particular instance, no foreign propagandist bent upon blackening Germany before the world could outdo the tale of burnings and beatings of black guardly assaults on defenseless and innocent people which disgraced that country yesterday, the night of broken glass, also the beginning of the Holocaust. By 1945, at the conclusion of World War II, the Jews had been sent to the concentration camps, and over 6 million Jewish people were exterminated or killed, including 1.5 million Jewish children. And so, friends, here's my point. It's hard for us to imagine a more despicable and horrific treatment of the Jewish people than what they have been through up to this point, but Daniel 12, 1 tells us that the trouble which is to come in the tribulation period, Daniel's 70 weeks against the Jewish people, that is, in the last days, will be beyond compare. The trouble that is coming in days ahead at the hands of the Antichrist, of course, demonically, devilishly empowered, will be far worse than anything that the Jewish people have seen up to this time in their history, including the Holocaust. In the Holocaust, one out of every three Jews was killed on the face of the planet. But in the tribulation, two out of every three will be killed. We haven't seen anything yet. But let me tell you, this is not the end for the Jewish people. Back to Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1. As this time of trouble comes, uh, the Bible says, Even at that time, your people shall be delivered. The Lord is not finished with Israel. And so a couple of important realizations, I think. Number one, the tribulation is a tremendous time of the outpouring of God's wrath upon the ungodly with a view that demonstrates that he is the supreme Lord of lords, the King of kings, the God of gods. Not only is it a time of of judgment being poured out upon the unbeliever, but it's also, friends, it's a demonstration, a last-ditch demonstration that will bring men to repentance and acknowledgement of who he is as God. Secondly, There are some from among Daniel's people, according to verse 1, who shall be delivered. At that time, the Bible says, your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book. So there will be some who are delivered. And then thirdly, those who are delivered are the believers in Israel whose name is written in the book. Now, certainly that is the Lamb's book of life. And what does that imply, friends? It implies that in the tribulation period, that the Jewish people uh, who entered the tribulation lost, many of them will become saved. They will acknowledge Jesus as their Lord. They will become Christ's followers during the tribulation. Revelation chapter 14 confirms that in the tribulation there will be 144,000, a remnant from among Israel who are most definitely saved in the tribulation. And they're from every tribe of Israel. And then this is wonderful You may be familiar with Zechariah 12 and Zechariah 13. Let me share some verses with you. Zechariah 12, verse 9 and 10, the Bible says, It shall be in that day, we keep seeing that phrase, don't we? That I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem, and I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. Then they will look on me whom they pierced. Yes, they were mourned for him as one mourns for his only son and grieved for him as one grieves for a firstborn. The Bible, through Zechariah the prophet, tells us the day is coming when Israel will look upon Jesus the Christ, the Mashiach Nagid, Messiah the King, and they will mourn for him whom they have pierced. They will grieve. 
And then in Zechariah 13, verse 8 and 9, speaking of the last days, Zechariah writes, And it shall come to pass in all the land, says the Lord, that two-thirds in it shall be cut off and die, but one-third shall be left in it. We were just talking about that. And I will bring the one-third through the fire, will refine them as silver is refined, and test them as gold is tested. Listen, they will call on my name, and I will answer them. I will say, This is my people, and each one will say, The Lord is my God. I just want you to imagine how beautiful a day this will be in spite of all the tribulation and trouble that is coming, this demonic uh, attack against the Jewish people that is prophesied to occur in the 70th week of Daniel. Think about the beauty of the people of Israel, those whom the Lord came to save, born, Jesus, born of the Jews, uh, of the tribe and lineage of David, in order to rescue his people from from their sins. Think about the last days when Israel as a nation will call out to him whom they have pierced and will mourn and will yield finally to the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, verse 2. The Bible says, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Friends, it sounds to me very clearly like we're talking about the resurrection unto judgment. I would simply refer you to Revelation chapter 20 and ask you to read about the great white throne judgment, which takes place, of course, uh, after the tribulation period. So what we're seeing here is, listen, in the 70th week of Daniel, there's going to be uh, great tribulation, great time of trouble. At the end of that, uh, Michael comes with the armies of heaven. There'll be a tremendous defeat of the Antichrist. Everyone who is found written in the book of life shall be delivered. And as they are being delivered, the Bible says there's also a resurrection. Verse 2, many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. That means those who have died. Many who have died will awake. And of course, we know the order of the resurrection. The Bible teaches us that there are multiple resurrections in the last days. The righteous, those who are born again, are resurrected first. And then, of course, at the end of the millennium, the unsaved dead of history, including these in Israel, are raised, judged by the books that are open, the books of their works, and they are cast, of course, into eternal judgment. So when the Bible speaks of this resurrection, understand that the resurrection takes place in uh, multiple phases. Again, many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, that some of the nation of Israel, the remnant, shall be saved. And then some to shame and everlasting contempt, that is, to the judgment. Verse 3, look at the reward. The Bible says, Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. I just love that. Those who are wise shine like the brightness of the firmament. I can't help but think of Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 10, where the Bible reads, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And then the Bible speaks here in Daniel about those who turn many to righteousness. They shine like the stars forever and ever. Proverbs 11.30 reads, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. Now that brings us to verse 4. And listen to this. This is uh, very interesting, and I think a, a very wise thing for us to realize as we study last day's prophecy. The Lord has not told us everything yet. He's given us a great deal. He's given us enough to know about many of the things that are coming, but we don't know everything. Look at verse 4. The Lord says, But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. I want to just pause there for a moment 
Now, the Lord says, seal up the vision. There are some things that must wait until the end. Now, it's my personal belief that God continues to unveil prophecy over time. And I believe that part of the unveiling is John's revelation at the end of the New Testament. So uh, as we leave Daniel chapter 12, if we wanted to continue this discussion about what's the 70, 70th week going to be like, uh, how does it end? What about the millennium? What about the great white throne judgment? What about new heavens and new earth? Well, clearly the Lord has spoken those things uh, to John the Revelator. So that will be our focal point as we get into season three here at the Pre-Trib Prophecy Podcast, and we'll go with the Lord's help, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, just as we've done here in Daniel, all the way through the book of Revelation. Now, I want you to look at something that's easy to overlook here in verse 4, but it is so significant as the Bible talks about the time of the end. Let me read it again. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until what? Until the time of the end. And then the Lord says something very interesting here about what the time of the end will look like. This is another uh, recognizable uh, stamp of what the climate will be like in the last days. The Bible says, many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. Now, when people run to and fro, friends, I believe that's very simply a statement about uh, men and women getting busier and busier and busier. Many of the studies that I looked at indicated that, listen, that's taking place in our own culture here in our own country. We're now, at least in the United States, we're now generally two household workers. The work week is increasing for more than half of American workers. We are busier now than we've ever been. My wife and I have three children. Seems like every day we're running multiple places a day. We're we're taking um, our family to small group, or we're running to a church function, or one child has tumbling, or another one is going to cheer practice, or one has a club meeting, or this one's going to that friend's house, or this one has a birthday party. It seems like every day we're running. We're busier than we've ever been, even at the Dover house. And I know it's probably true at your house as well. The Bible also here says knowledge shall increase. Now, I want you to think about that. Uh, think about how smart we're getting. Think about how knowledge is growing so fast. It's so difficult to even keep up with. In Daniel 12, verse 4, and I want to read it to you in the New Living Translation. The Bible says, but you, Daniel, keep this prophecy a secret. Seal up the book until the time of the end. Listen, when many shall rush here and there and knowledge will increase. Some of you have heard me teach about a researcher that was popular back in the 1980s by the name of Buckminster Fuller. He wrote The Knowledge Doubling Curve. It was research published in 1982, and basically, uh, Buckminster Fuller published that up until 1900, human knowledge was basically doubling every century. So about every hundred years, human knowledge, the scope of human knowledge across the planet was doubling. By the end of World War II, he noted that human knowledge was doubling every 25 years. He said that today, human knowledge is doubling every 13 months. But remember, that was 1982. That's not our today. That was his today. And of course, things have uh, continued and uh, knowledge is increasing and we are doubling our knowledge and growing faster, 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 faster. We're in the information age like never before. And, of course, the latest talk is artificial intelligence, where we've become so smart we don't even think for ourselves anymore. Now the computers, the machines are beginning to think for us and to interact with us. 
Did you know that one of the things that we're seeing all over the news cycles that's troubling to many people is this idea of artificial intelligence and not being able to tell the difference between a real human being and a real interaction versus an interaction with a machine who is pretending to be a human being or mimicking the qualities of humanity. Friends, I'm telling you, these Last day's predictions about being busier than we've ever been and about knowledge increasing. These are things to pay attention to even in our days we're discerning the times. Verse 5, and let's take a few verses together. The Bible says, Then I, Daniel, looked, and there stood two others, one on this river bank and the other on that river bank. And one said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river, How long shall the fulfillment of these wonders be? Then I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river when he held up his right hand and his left hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it shall be for a time, times, and half a time. And when the power of the holy people has been completely shattered, all these things shall be finished. Now there's that word finished. It's another word of finality. It's a word speaking to the end. So what is going on in these verses? Well, there are two other angels. We've been introduced to Michael already. But two other angels begin to have a conversation, one standing uh, on this riverbank, the other on another riverbank. And they have this conversation, how long shall the fulfillment of these wonders be? And the answer is a time, times, and half a times. Let me just give this to you from the book of Daniel. A time is the equivalent of one year. That's the way that Daniel says one year. Times being plural, that's two years. And half a time, of course, would be half a year. So what the Bible is saying here is that there's something significant that takes place in a 3.5-year period, three-and-a-half-year, a a three-and-a-half-year period. And what is it that we're talking about? Remember, we're talking about the time of Jacob's trouble. When will these things be fulfilled? When will the time of Jacob's trouble be fulfilled? Well, in three-and-a-half years. When does the time of Jacob's trouble begin? It begins when Antichrist comes into a rebuilt Jewish temple in the 70th week of Daniel at the midway point at the three and a half year mark and declares himself to be the Mashiach Nagid, the Messiah, the King, God of gods, Lord of lords, and demands the worship of the world. He breaks his covenant with Israel. He establishes himself as the God to be worshipped upon the earth. That marks, friends, that's the abomination of desolation. It marks the midpoint of the tribulation. It marks the beginning of what we call the great tribulation or the time of Jacob's trouble. And the Bible here, as in other places, says that that period of time lasts for 3.5 years. Namely, this is referring to the second half of the tribulation, which of course culminates in the return of Christ, who descends, defeats the Antichrist armies at the Battle of Armageddon, and then establishes his literal reign and rule upon the earth. And so we'll see that the Antichrist will render the Hebrew people completely powerless. They'll be completely unable to stand as two out of every three Hebrews will lose their life in this day. Only one-third of them, a remnant, will survive, and then Jesus will come. They have no hope except for Jesus. They're like all of us. There is no hope for any of us except for Jesus, but especially for Israel in the last days. Now look at verse 8 and 9 together. Daniel has a misunderstanding here, and we want to note that. The Bible says, Although I heard, I did not understand. Then I said, My Lord, what shall be the end of these things? Now I think it's beautiful that Daniel uh, acknowledges, Lord, I don't really understand what this is about. This is all future. It's all prophetic. Uh, These are things that had not happened, obviously, in Daniel's life, things he could only imagine about. He's writing under obedience to the Lord. He says, Although I heard, I did not understand. And I said, my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? Verse 9, and he said, go your way, Daniel, 
for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. And so I want to just point you forward to Revelation chapter 5. Because in Revelation 5, verse 1 through 7, we find that in the tribulation that Jesus the Lamb steps forward and is given a scroll by God the Father to open it. But it's a sealed scroll. Let me read it to you. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside on the back, sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much, because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And then, of course, the Lord begins to break the scrolls, and the scroll judgments of the tribulation period are unpacked. So listen, some of the things that will take place. We are told about them, some here in Daniel, some in other prophetic texts, some in Revelation, but some of it is sealed, and we just need to know that. As we're talking about these things, we need to understand that we don't know it all, and that should bring, as we study this subject, a uh, tremendous spirit of humility for those of us who uh, study and teach on these particular things. Okay, final remarks, verse 10 all the way through verse 13. The Bible says, "...many shall be purified." made white and refined, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. There's a distinction, friends. Many shall be purified, made white and refined. That speaks of salvation, speaks of everlasting life in Jesus Christ. And at the same time that many, as history tracks on, as time continues to you know tick, tick, tick towards the end, many will be saved, of course, in human history. But Daniel says the wickedly are going to do wickedly. Haters are going to hate. It's like the angel saying, uh, listen, it just has to run its course. History has to run its course. There are going to be some that are saved and some that are not, some that are righteous, some that are wicked. In that day, none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. I, I think this speaks of the spiritual discernment that believers have who are alive in the tribulation period. Verse 11, and from the time that the daily sacrifice is taken away and the abomination of desolation is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and comes to the 1,335 days. But you go your way till the end, for you shall rest and will arise to your inheritance at the end of days. Well, there are time stamps. The Bible says from the time the daily sacrifices are taken away uh, and uh, the abomination of desolation is set up that takes place in a single day, there shall be 1,290 days, that is, until the culmination of it. Now, remember, Antichrist will come. He's made a uh, worship covenant, a peace covenant with Israel. There's a uh, last day's temple that shall be rebuilt. We see here that sacrifices will be uh, made in the temple of Jerusalem. But at the midpoint of the tribulation, Antichrist will break that covenant. As we've already learned in Daniel, he will put an end to sacrifice in the temple he will break that covenant with Israel, and he will establish himself as the God to be worshipped. That is the abomination of desolation here. It takes place on the same day. 
And Daniel here in chapter 12 hears from the Lord, and there's a very specific prophecy, a very specific number of days between the abomination of desolation and the second coming of Christ. Now, let me point you forward to Matthew 24, verse 15 to 22, where Jesus, this is red letters, Jesus said, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by, the, by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is in, on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant uh, and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. For then, listen, there will be great tribulation, such as has not been seen since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor shall ever be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved, like everybody would die. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. That is, those who have been saved in the tribulation. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun shall be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then... The sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. That is the second coming. So the Bible is very clear in several texts here in Daniel 12, Matthew 24, also in Revelation. The Bible is very clear that from the breaking of the covenant and the abomination of desolation, which is committed by the Antichrist in the middle of the tribulation, there is a three and a half year period. I mean, do the math on here, 1200. Uh, 1,290 days, do the math on it using, of course, the 360-day uh, Jewish calendar. It gives you three and a half years, all right, until the time of the second coming. Now, this is interesting. Daniel writes also, blessed is he who awaits and comes to the 1335 day. And there's a blessing coming. Now, what happens on that day? Well, I don't know. It's one of those things that has been sealed up in the book. But I can tell you, it is a blessing. Look very carefully at the scripture. The Bible says, uh, blessed is he, verse 12, blessed is he who waits and comes to the 1,335 days. I mean, the ones who make it past uh, the uh, battle of Armageddon, the ones who endure, the ones who survive, the defeat of the Antichrist, the uh, binding of Satan being cast into the pit, the one who survive all, all of that, who see the establishment of the literal kingdom of Jesus on the earth. There's a blessing coming. So I'm not sure what happens on day 1335 after the abomination of desolation, but we know who's in charge of it, and we know that it's going to be good. And then let me point to you a future resurrection. Verse 13, but go your way till the end, for you shall rest. Now that means he's going to die. Daniel knows he's going to die. He's elderly at this point. When the Lord gives him this final vision, he knows he's coming to the end of his life. The Lord confirms, you're going to rest. It means he's going to die and will arise to your inheritance at the end of days. So again, this speaks of the resurrection of the righteous, where the righteous in the final day will be resurrected to their inheritance. What a beautiful thing. So I was reading in 1 Thessalonians in chapter 5, talking about the rapture of the church, the Bible teaches us in that text that we should not grieve those who have fallen asleep in the Lord. Paul writes in that particular text, the Lord himself will descend with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God. And the scripture says, the dead in Christ shall rise first. 
And then those of us who are standing around shall be caught up, harpazod. The Latin equivalent of that is rapturo. We shall be harpazod or rapturoed to meet the Lord in the air. And there we shall be with him forever and ever and ever. Listen, there is a resurrection coming of the righteous. And I believe that there are, again, multiple resurrections in the judgment. There's the resurrection of the righteous that comes first. This is the first resurrection. And then a second resurrection, which takes place of the uh, martyrs of the tribulation. And then the final resurrection, which is the resurrection of the unsaved dead of human history, and it is a resurrection to stand before God at the great white throne judgment where books shall be opened. And so I thank you for listening to chapter 12 here on the Pre-Trib Prophecy Podcast, and I'm so excited to be finishing this book. I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll do one more episode. Well, I'll do a very brief summary just in you know maybe 10, 15 minutes of the things that we've studied start to finish, some of the significant milestones, things that we're learning in the book of Daniel to prepare us and to remind us of what we study to prepare us for the Revelation study, which is coming in season three. Hey, do me a favor. If you enjoy this podcast, how about like and subscribe to the podcast? And then perhaps there's someone in your life who would benefit, maybe be blessed even from listening to this kind of Bible teaching, maybe a pastor or a Sunday school teacher, small group leader, co-worker, friend, family member, a neighbor, perhaps you would share the podcast and say, hey, check this out. This is something I've enjoyed listening to. I thought you might be interested in it as well. Thank you for helping us to get the word out about the podcast. And as always, we welcome your questions, comments, cries of outrage, and pray God's richest blessings upon you. Take care and God bless you.